Hi. <laughs> so last week we talked about the importance of being in the body. Today we're going to be talking about unity and life in the body. Before I get into this lesson, I just want to preface it with preparing for this lesson has been a wild ride. <laughs> I have been extremely uncomfortable and convicted throughout this entire process. So I just kind of want to remind everyone that I too am learning and growing with y'all. I'm just so uncomfortable because I struggle with some of this unity in the body stuff. And this lesson really kind of calls everything out, I guess. I need to take a sip of my tea. By the way, this is literally my third time recording this. Um, I guess because I'm so nervous with this one. It's just so heavy, but also so good. Let's get into it. We're going to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, but before we do, here's some background information that you should know. So this book in the Bible was written by the Apostle Paul, and according to the Bible Project on YouTube, Corinth was a major city in the ancient world. It had a lot of temples for Greek and Roman gods. It was an economic center. So Paul strategically went there as a missionary, which resulted in a whole bunch of people becoming followers of Jesus and forming a church community. First Corinthians is a collection of letters that Paul is writing to this church in Corinth and addressing some of the issues they're having. So let's read about it. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. 
If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amen. How many of y'all thought Junior was in this room reading it? Gotcha! That part was actually pre-recorded. The power of editing, baby. Anyways, yes. So in the first episode, I kept emphasizing recognizing oneness. But what does that actually mean? Like, let's really get into it. Verses 12 and 14. And honestly, this entire passage focuses on how the body is made up of many parts. This idea of different individuals coming together and working as one is what recognizing oneness oneness means. God has given us different gifts and each person here has a role and God brought us together for a purpose. Some people in the Corinthian church had the gift of tongue and were putting themselves on a pedestal because they didn't see the need for people who didn't have that particular gift, which understandably caused divisions in the church, right? And Paul is saying like, no, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would that even work? So if we're looking at like, I don't know, other examples of this, A successful tech company isn't going to be made up of all project managers. There's no way. How would they run a business? There's UX designers to design. There's developers to build. There's testers to test. Salespeople to sell. Who's going to play all those roles if it's just project managers? Sports teams are another great example. There's always different positions that make up the team. So in football, there's quarterback, running back, wide receiver, etc. Shout out to Junior for telling me those position names. But yeah, in that football team, everyone has to know their role and do their role for the betterment of the team. Christ's body is more powerful as one because that's what he intended. I'm going to take another sip of my tea. Unity in the body meant so much to Christ that he prayed for it right before he was crucified. In John chapter 17, specifically in verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And that really hit a chord with me. It's not logic. It's not strategy. Ultimately, what brings people to Christ is the body of Christ being perfectly one. Being at peace with one another is required for that to happen. Wasn't that good? Yeah, because it's from a Francis Chan sermon. (laughs) And in that same sermon, he goes into Proverbs chapter 6. There's six things that the Lord hates. Seven, actually, that are an abomination to him. And one of those things emphasized is one who shows discord among brothers. Basically, someone who is breaking up the unity in a group, right? This isn't a small deal. It's an abomination in the Lord's eyes. 
Here's a direct quote from the Francis Chan sermon. It's an abomination when there's some sort of stirring up amongst his children because he, the Lord, wants so badly for his glory to be seen. He wants so much for people to understand who Jesus is and our oneness is vital to that. I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's an abomination when there's some sort of stirring up amongst his children because he wants so badly for his glory to be seen. He wants so much for people to understand who Jesus is and our oneness is vital to that. Amen. I feel like I never really understood the weight of unity. You know, I knew it was important because God's a loving God and he loves peace and harmony, but like I never saw it as like, it's because unity ultimately brings people to Christ. And if people don't see unity in our body, then what are we doing? You know, I feel like it's so easy to brush off unity because it feels impossible at times. People are so annoying. People gossip. People have different beliefs and views that we strongly disagree with. People handle situations completely different from how we would handle it. The list is unending. Unity is uncomfortable and challenging because there's a cost for it. It costs us choosing not to gossip and paint someone who has hurt us in a negative light. It costs us loving someone we disagree with, even when we don't want to. It costs us forgiving when it literally pains us to. And I think that's why it's so easy to brush it off and forget about how important it is because it's pushing us to what feels like impossible limits. How many times can I say impossible (laughs) in this lesson? But yeah, imagine being in this church of Corinth that we're reading about as one of the congregation members that's being made to feel like they're not needed by their own brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, think about how painful that would be. And on the flip side, what is it like for the ones who have the gift of tongue and who are really struggling with so much pride that they're causing discord within the body unintentionally or intentionally? Like, how painful is that humbling experience to have to step down from that mental pedestal that they built? Both are such relatable experiences. This was a broken, hurting church. Verses 24 through 25. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There is a cost to unity. But if our fear for God is greater than those costs, costs, (laughs) we'll be eager to pursue unity because that's what God wants. And we want to please him. If we love God more than ourselves, we'll be eager to pursue the oneness in the body. 
To really hit home this idea of devoting ourselves to oneness in the body of Christ, I'm going to play an excerpt from Tim Keller's sermon called A New Community. A New Community. (laughs) It's an amazing sermon, and I highly, highly recommend you listen to it in your own time. But yes, here is the clip. You notice how it says they were devoted to fellowship? Devoted. Are you devoted to fellowship? Are you devoted to being one with people who are Christians? You know how you do it? Some of you are bitter against some other Christian right now. You've got to be devoted to fellowship. How do you do it? You praise the broken Lord. Get rid of your bitterness. It's inconsistent with the broken Lord. Some of you are indifferent. You look around, you see some people that you'd like to be, you know, you look around a Christian church, and you say, some of these people are my kind of people. Other people aren't your kind of people. I like these kinds of people. I don't like this kind of people. You are not. Listen, you cannot think of Jesus Christ. You can't praise the sacrifice of Christ and want to take somebody's head off at the same time. You cannot praise his dying for you and be indifferent to other people at the same time. You can't. Oh, you may know that he died on the cross, but that's not what we're talking about. What creates fellowship is praising him for doing it, rejoicing in it, focusing on it. You see, if you have bitterness in your heart toward toward any other believer, in fact, if you have bitterness in your heart toward anybody else, it's because you are not praising him for his death on the cross for you. What if he hadn't done that? What if he hadn't forgiven you? You can't look at his forgiveness of you and withhold forgiveness from somebody else at the same time. You have to look at one and forget the other. Look at him. And we will break all the barriers of culture. We will break all the barriers of race. We will break all the barriers of temperament. We'll break all the barriers of your history, no matter what they did to you. Indifference, sensitivity, hurt feelings, anger, passivity, all of them go away because we've praised the one who is broken for you. Do that. Be devoted to fellowship. Stir up this sign of new life in you and in this church. (sighs) Amen. I don't even have anything to add to that, you know? breaking barriers, being devoted to fellowship. We'll end with a beautiful depiction of fellowship of believers. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all things and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. A great example of a body that devoted themselves to the teachings of scripture and fellowship Reading this reminded me of yesterday's small group meeting, actually, (laughs) and how we touched on the impact of breaking bread and eating together, and then we shared our prayer requests with one another, you know, Daniel opening up about his job situation, and that turned into being a networking opportunity with Junior's company. Yeah, it. I was just reminded of our small group, and to add on to that, like, 
being part of a church where our leaders rely on scripture and guide us accordingly, pooling our resources together to support people in Ukraine, Cambodia, local refugee missions, according to Yuna's mission update. Like, what a blessing. I'm just so encouraged that I'm reminded of our small group and our church when I read this passage. Anyways, I pray that we can devote ourselves to pursuing unity out of fear for God and all that he's done for us. Let's rejoice in that together. So discussion questions, what stood out to you? I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I really do think it's important for us to focus on what God is trying to speak to us individually and share that with one another. So that's going to continue being like one of our top discussion questions. Sorry, not sorry. Um, And then second question is, how are you going to devote yourself to fellowship and unity in the body of Christ? How are you going to devote yourself to fellowship and unity in the body of Christ? I know this is a very broad question, um, but hopefully this can lead to some applications for us. All right, that is it for today and this week. I can't wait to see you guys at the next small group meeting. Bye.